Welcome to the Hyper Voice, episode 124. This is a show all about Pokemon's video game championship series. I'm your host, Steven Morioka, and I am here with Alex Underhill. Hey. And Adi Supermanian. Hi, everyone. Hey there, Adi. Glad to have you back again. And uh, I just wanted to talk about your... You have also been uh, recently... Well, not recently. You know, the last few months have also been... Uh, you have a YouTube channel now. Um, just wanted... Curious to hear from you... You know, how all that is going, how fun making content is, and uh, if you could just plug your channel as well. Yeah, so I have a YouTube channel, uh, the name is CK49, and it's been going really well. We just hit a 1,000 subscribers last month. We've got a lot of team reports, and we've got testing some top teams, metagame analysis, and a lot of other very competitive content. We've had uh, Alex Underhill on the show a few times now in the last month to showcase all of his successful teams, and so... It's been a good time, and I'd really love it if you guys checked it out. And uh, congrats on 1,000 subs again. Thank you. Yeah, way to hit that milestone. That's awesome. So, uh, everyone, just remember to check out Audi's YouTube if you want to see some more uh, top-tier VGC content out there. And uh, we are actually recording this episode after the February 17th Nintendo Direct. And just wanted to point out for everyone that there was no Pokemon-related news in this Nintendo Direct unsurprisingly, um, to me at least, we're probably going to get some kind of a Pokemon Direct next week to celebrate the big week of uh, Pokemon Day on February 27th. We're going to talk more about that later uh, at the end of the show. But um, let's move on to uh, just talk about, since there is nothing Pokemon related in the Nintendo Direct, we're just going to skip over that because there, uh, it was, I think the general sense is that was, it was kind of underwhelming. I'm just glad we had one. It was nice to see that after, what was it, like 500 plus days? Yeah, yeah, it was uh, all the way back in 2019, uh, the last, like, actual Nintendo Direct. We had those minis to hold us over for a while, but it wasn't quite the same. 50 minutes of uh, Direct was still pretty fun, so uh, happy to see it come back. Yeah, I've never really, uh, I'm honestly mostly a Pokemon fan more than a Nintendo fan, but uh, there were a couple games, especially Skyward Sword, big fan of that, so I'm excited for some new Zelda content, too. Me too. Oh, baby, those Joy-Con controllers. Those were gorgeous. They did look really sick. Oh, those look so sick. I mean, once you're playing Skyward Sword with those games, eventually you're going to be playing The Legend of Zelda Skyward Drift, but I don't want to get into that because that just makes me sick. No. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Um, Yeah. Anyway, let's move on to uh, another uh, announcement for Pokemon 25, another because of the big year-long celebration to celebrate Pokemon's 25th anniversary we are also getting a concert on Pokemon Day, um, kind of kicking off with the headliner of Post Malone, who was, uh, you know, digitized for a, a trailer last week, and he will be having a virtual concert. And in a, as a tie-in for this event, there is also going to be a Pokemon distribution, and that Pokemon distribution is a special Pikachu with the move Sing. So I believe this Pikachu will have Sing. You'll probably be able to evolve it to a Raichu that knows Sing. I believe Kanto only, right? There's no way to get a Lowland Raichu uh, evolving in Sword and Shield. Uh oh, wait. I, you can get a Lowland. Can you can you evolve Raichu. this Pikachu? You can get it via trade, but you cannot get it through. Uh, you cannot evolve a Pikachu that you caught in the Galar into it. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So you can like battle ready. That's what symbol. I was getting it. At. Um, okay. Yeah, or there's like one in-game where you can trade for it, but those are the only two ways to get a little right here. Cool, okay. so yeah, the Sing Pikachu, or Sing on this line will be uh, restricted to Pikachu and the Kanto Raichu, but I kind of just want to talk about, you know, what, what, if any, kind of impact Sing may have on the metagame right now, on Series 8, this uh, restricted legendary format. Um, what do you two think? It's going to be uh, definitely annoying, especially with the like new toy syndrome that it's going to bring with it, um, because I don't even know if it's like that that good on Raichu. It's a, a Pokemon that has like already so many options under its belt, um, but with it being something that's had, it's got so much of a spotlight on it, uh, people are definitely going to be trying it out, and uh, I'm not looking forward to it. Yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at, too. I think that Raichu already has so many good moves. It already like runs out of move slots, especially now that people are running Eerie Impulse and Charm on it to reduce attack and special attack stats. It also kind of conflicts with Nuzzle. You really want to spread Nuzzle on opposing teams because Raichu's really good at raising speed, and you can't do that if the Pokemon is sleeping and you can't sleep a Pokemon that is Nuzzled. So I 
don't think that at the end of the day, it's going to see a ton of competitive play, but people are definitely going to experiment it with it and see if it's any good. Yeah, so this Pikachu releases on February 25th um, through a special code that's coming through you know, their various social media or websites or emails. Um, you'll probably be able to find it. It'll be really easy to get. And you'll have that Pikachu and or Raichu with Sing. And honestly, like, this probably wasn't really geared too much for competitive players. Like, uh, I know if we got something like Endeavor on it, that would be uh, kind of different and a little bit more game-changing. But um, Sing is mostly just a tie-in for this big concert they're having. So I think that's kind of cute and fun. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be... Um... It's going to be relevant, I guess, for or legal for Series 8 and then uh, for Series 7 or 9 um, when that comes to be. Oh, very true. And funnily enough, you cannot play with that Pikachu this weekend in any tournaments, but you can the following weekend, you know, after it's released on the 25th. So that is Pikachu with Sing. Now, we're going to move into uh, some of our tournaments of what's what you can play in, what's coming up, and something that happened over the weekend that Alex did well in. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but I want to first just plug the Reddit circuit that is going on right now. It has actually been ongoing for the past few weeks already, and Adi actually comes to us on the show at a very timely moment because you won the first, um, like, ultimate, you, you won the final tournament of the first Reddit circuit back in the fall. So can you just talk to us about, you know, how the circuit works and what this, what this means as an opportunity for p- players to play in. Yeah, so the circuit is a series of tournaments that it's the second time they did it. The first time they did it was back in Series 6. And as Steven said, I, I ended up winning the circuit finale. But essentially, there are going to be six-letter tournaments. I believe the first four have already happened. And the top, I think, six players from those ladder tournaments are going to get automatic invites into the Day 2 or the Top Cut Heart of the Championships. And then on the 27th of February, we're going to have the uh, last chance qualifiers where it is more like a standard Swiss style tournament where everyone who goes uh, with an X2 record, uh, so two or fewer losses, will make it into top cut and they'll battle it out. They always have a, a lot of prizes. It's always got a, a ton of competitors. I know like Paul Ruiz and Wolf Glick both played in the first iteration. And so uh, it's a lot of fun and I'm going to you know try to defend my title and I hope to see you playing against me. Yeah, there's, uh, this is pretty cool that they're uh, running like a different style of um, circuit that really uh, makes use of the in-game tournament feature that um, I think is pretty cool. I haven't actually gotten to uh, mess around with it much myself, um, but uh, I know that like uh, getting to play like 15 games over the course of like a whatever, it's like a, usually like a three-hour span, um, is a fun way to like just kind of like practice uh, a team that you want to like get used to and uh, do so while uh, playing in game. So that's uh, it's cool that they're uh, providing a circuit on top of that ability to get some solid practice in. Yeah. And there's a lot of content creators who have been streaming their runs to the circuit. I know that Edu's been doing really well in all of the online tournaments. So it's, it's a good time. Even if you don't want to play, you can always watch. Uh, and it, the whole point of the circuit is really to make the high, this high level VGC uh, tournament gameplay very accessible to everyone. And so, it, it is free to play in all the tournaments, I think, until the last chance qualifier. Yeah, so I just think it's still funny how the online, the in-game online ladder tournaments are still restricted to a three-hour limit just because that's what the limit is. You, you can't make it any longer. So um, that's just something I wanted to point out. And um, Adi, I think even what like the penultimate or ulti- the final tournament are just open for everybody. You don't necessarily even have to play in these uh, ladder tournaments. Yeah, that's right. So the last chance qualifier is open to everyone, regardless of whether you played in the uh, the ladder tournaments or not. And so, like, that's how I ended up getting through the uh, the first time around. I think I played in one of the ladder tournaments, didn't do too well, and then uh, just went to the last chance qualifiers and did pretty well there. So it's, yeah, it really is, like, it is probably the easiest circuit to access out of any of the major circuits that I've seen so far. And it, it's really well run. And shout out to Aaron Trailer for, for organizing all of this. And it's a good time. Yeah, so people can find the Reddit circuit, this whole uh, series of tournaments on the subreddit for VGC, which is just r slash VGC, I think. And you can find all that information on there. The final tournaments are coming up uh, next weekend on February 27th and 28th. You know, that Pokemon Day weekend, that's going to be very, very eventful. 
And um, so we hope to see everybody there. And so there's more opportunities for play. I'm sure that Aaron and I think it's uh, Barris Akos or Billa who uh, keep continue to run these tournaments. It's a great opportunity for people to play in. And speaking of other opportunities to play in, that was the uh, Reddit circuit. We're going to move on to uh, Victory Road here now. And Victory Road is also hosting a circuit of uh, types. They're now in the middle of their winter series. And Alex is going to break down the um, details about this one. And he actually just played in the first one. So, break his, Alex, go ahead and take it away. Yeah, so uh, Victory Road is doing what they're calling their um, winter series for 2021. And it's uh, essentially five qualifier tournaments uh, that will be leading up to a uh, invitational-only uh, grand finals and uh, essentially there are five tournaments over the course of five weekends the last one just happened over the past weekend and you play in them and earn points almost like you would earn cp in a uh in like the, the normal circuit that we were used to uh before things got canceled and you have a best finish limit of two out of these five tournaments and then the top 16 players at the end of it uh with the most points will get invited into this uh this grand finals this like uh this invitational and it, yeah it's just a, basically it's just a very short condensed miniature circuit uh the first one was uh just over this past weekend uh and i just it, it lined up uh with my uh sleep schedule time wise that um i could actually play in this one uh cuz it did start at like uh 2:30 for 2:30 a.m. our time steven but that's like relatively normal operating hours for me right now <laughs> and so um so i decided to play in it and uh i actually made it all the way to the uh finals i ended up getting second in the tournament losing to um here let me just double check uh it was uh victor medina and um who I, I i'm not seeing their username here it was something like tataki i think i think it's torviv oh i'm thinking of something else it's torviv okay um apologies for uh butchering that um but uh yeah so uh they won with a uh, team of zation umbreon lapras thunderous amoongus and uh landris therian and uh the team that i ended up bringing was calyrex ice incineroar tabufini dusclops amoongus and moltres galar and uh yeah i i had a very good time playing in the tournament um uh, one thing I guess I should mention before is that these tournaments, uh, they are $6.50 or so for an entry fee, uh, but there are, there's no prizing in the uh, in the actual tournaments into, up until Grand Finals. All the prize money is being funneled to the end, and so uh, even though I was able to like secure second place in this, um, all that landed me was some of the uh, Victory Road points or whatever for their uh, circuit. And I won't be able to actually earn any prize money until uh, maybe participating in the Grand Finals. Uh, which is something that I'm not a huge fan of. Like, I, honestly, I mostly played in this tournament uh, because I was just interested in playing some high-level Pokemon. I do not uh, love this circuit, but I do think it's a uh, interesting take on uh, a way to get players involved in like a, in Pokemon for like a, a short period of time. Like, a, like this miniature circuit. Yeah, we saw Disafio Latam do something very similar, except they had like, I think it was like a $5 entry fee, and then you could play in any of their tournaments. Uh, and of course, there's no prizing, but you get to qualify for their final circuit where all the money went. And theirs was, they, they've, they've gotten ridiculously large number of people. They've had like 400 people in their tournament. So that's been a huge success. And Victory Road has definitely tried to do something very similar. But I, I agree, I am not a huge fan of the uh, pay entry and then you only get anything if you do well in multiple tournaments because i can't commit to playing in a tournament every weekend and uh you know if i want to play in a one-off tournament i, I want to be rewarded if i do well but uh you did so well that you probably just qualify for the the finals regardless of whether you play in any other tournaments so uh you're gonna get something out of it at least yeah that's the hope and so uh I, i'm probably not gonna be able to play in the second one which is this upcoming weekend but there's gonna be a third fourth and fifth uh the following weekends afterwards and uh definitely check those out if you're interested in playing uh like the entry fee is relatively cheap for what uh we used to see at like live events and some of the other tournaments so uh not too bad and uh definitely a good way to get some uh high level gameplay in. that's mostly what i was looking for and uh is definitely what i got 
Yeah, like that six dollars fifty cents is like ten percent of what we were paying for la- for regionals and stuff. Um, you remember like yeah. that's yeah, it was like tenfold. We're upwards of uh, sixty seventy dollars at those things uh, back when we had live events. Um, so yeah, number qualifier number two is this upcoming weekend, February twentieth and twenty first, and then everyone uh, so on and so forth up through March thirteenth and fourteenth. That is number five, and then grand finals are still uh, to be determined time. Uh, mainly because we have the Players' Cup 3 actually happening at the end of March. So that would be a little conflicting uh, time there as well as, you know, when the global finals for Players' Cup 3 are happening too. So they'll figure that timing out later on. But let's get into talking about the uh, rest of the top eight teams and maybe any other highlights we see from the rest of the top cut here. Um, Adi, you mentioned how that the, the Safio Latem tournament, did I say that name right? Something like that. I'm not okay. entirely sure. Well, how to pronounce those it were impressive numbers with like 400 plus people in it. This one specifically had 157 players in it. You guys had, uh, or you players had open team sheets for this. Uh, you know, again, simulating just how Pokemon Players Cup 3 is going to operate. Uh, Swiss rounds, eight Swiss rounds, and a single elimination top cut. So, um, this top cut was, uh, 22 players. Uh, Alex, you made all the way to second. You mentioned your team and the champion, Victor Medina's team. Um, something I just want to mention about Victor's team is how, like, we still see that, uh, popular pairing of, uh, Zashin and Lapras together, you know, setting those very nice screens for Zashin and the rest of the team, and then you just, also, uh, something, like, that's been really cool to see is just how Umbreon has been trickling on some teams since, um, Elisa's win in the women's tournament last week, uh, or whenever that was, a few weeks ago. Um, so it's nice to see, like, Umbreon actually picking up and still doing well um after that tournament you know it's not it's not necessarily just a one-off thing and um you know alex i really want to ask you like where did your inspiration and team come from for the calyrex ice rider yeah so uh i'll talk about my team uh in a second i do want to mention just a a brief comment on umbreon and that is um it's just it's it's crazy to see it uh continue to do well uh, in a field of like other uh dark types you know like there was incineroar on almost every other team in the uh the top 22 here uh i mean i think three teams went without it and uh if you look specifically at the top eight uh seven incineroar but incineroar doesn't win the tournament umbreon does so uh let's go umbreon i thought that was a really funny storyline um important to mention uh the the what the storyline i was more hoping for was uh to be the only american in cut and the uh the one to win it that was going to be really funny uh unfortunately came this close um yeah so this team is actually very much inspired by uh, something that Donald uh, Donald um, I'm, I'm Smith failing Jr. to remember his name Donald Smith <laughs> yeah Donald Smith Jr. of course um, Donald Smith Jr. Uh, th- what they ran in uh, what he ran in um, what was it Players Cup two not the finals the uh, qualifier yeah I, I believe or, uh, this is what he used in the finals I think he had a a Grimstar in the in the preliminary stages oh okay okay so this is what he used in the finals and of, of course with a glacier over the ice rider and uh donald uh was just kind of like talking uh and was saying like all right let's uh let's just try to make this work with ice rider and uh slapped a weakness policy on it and um dustclops had shadow sneak i think to activate it and i was like that looks cool i think i want to tweak it a little bit and uh just go with haze and life orb on the calyrex ice rider and pretty much just stole it and ran with it. And uh, it was working well enough on ladder. I was having a pretty good time with it. And I felt like the team had uh, a lot of options. And uh, I, I mean, it just, it does, um, it, it uses two max Pokemon that I think line up really well into the format right now. Which is, of course, uh, the Ice Rider and uh, Galarian Moltres. And uh, other than that, uh, like th- there was somebody else with a very similar build, uh, Mario Soriano who uh, made it into the top 16 um, with uh, just a Zapdos over the uh, Galar Moltres. And uh, I think it's a pretty solid uh, Trick Room build right now. Um, Just Amoongus, Dusclops, Incineroar uh, can get up Trick Room relatively consistently and uh, pivot in or keep your Pokemon healthy. And then you're just trying to go through the other team as fast as you can with uh, either Glacial Lances or Max Hailstorms. Yeah, that all sounds pretty darn good. And uh, congrats to you on your <laughs> second place finish. And you'll get to talk more about your uh, matchups with some of the other opponents you faced in some of the uh, earlier rounds of Top Cut. 
But um, I want to just move on to actually our uh, next team, if the two of you don't mind. And that is uh, Terran Birdies. And we have here a Kyogre, Incineroar, Porygon 2, Regieleki, Ferrothorn, and Dragapult. Now, uh, it may be notable to mention that this there was no Tornadus on this team with this Kyogre, which I think is uh, pretty notable here. Mm-hmm. Um, also, just Dragapult on a team, you know, getting pretty deep. That's also surprising right now because Dragapult is not very common. Uh, what's really cool is that the Dragapult was just four attacks with a life orb. Also had a uh, dive. So if you wanted to max that and just uh, set up a max geyser for uh, Kyogre, say if uh, rain got changed somehow from your opponent, you know, you have that option. But um, otherwise, like, there are components of this team that just look like a regular Tornogre team. And there are others that just, like, spin it in a different direction, which is really cool. Yeah, I, uh, I ended up playing Terran in uh, Swiss, and uh, it was it was not great. Uh, that, that that was one of my losses, and um, yeah, th- this team is really really cool for a Kyogre team because uh, Kyogre teams normally just put me to sleep, and so this was a really cool spin on uh, a, a way to do it. Uh, I was al- already wondering just like how do you make Kyogre work on a Trick Room team, and uh, this team, um, I don't know exactly how much it, how, or how it plays because I only got to experience it from my point of view. Um, but it, it, it's got the options uh, open to it. You know, it can set Trick Room with Porygon 2. It can control the speed with Max Airstream on Dragapult or Electroweb. And then, of course, Ferrothorn is just a very good endgame Pokemon right now. Um, just with all of these, uh, like, Steel types and just, I don't know, Iron Defense Body Press is really well positioned in the metagame. Uh, and uh, Kyogre helps it even more so. Uh, so th- there's a lot of cool things on this team. Yeah, and if you want to hear more about this team, Thought Run is actually coming onto my YouTube channel to do a team report sometime this weekend. So uh, I don't know exactly how the schedule is going to line up, but uh, you can hear it from uh, himself about how he used it and how he built it and what the modes are. But uh, I agree. I think this is such a unique way to build Kyogre where you don't have to run Tornadus. Uh, where I think people were game planning like their entire Kyogre game plans around the Tornadus build, and now you see one that is that has this trick room mode that can that is okay if you try to outpace it and go faster than it because it'll just set up trick room on you while also having Dragapult, which does uh, checks and matchups. Ferrothorn similarly, like Kyogre's worst matchup is probably like Dialga, and Ferrothorn is so good into that it's good into Palkia, um, and so. It's it's really cool to see how he has built this team and how he has adapted to Kyogre counterplay, and he in fact was the only Kyogre in top in tops eight, excuse me, and so um, he found a lot of success with it when other Kyogres couldn't break through the wall of Groudon that we saw in the rest of top eight. Very true, very true. Excited to check uh, that uh, video out. So um, also just like to mention how like there are three uh, Kyogre teams overall. I think I counted that right out of the 22. This was the only one without a Tornadus. So the other two did have one. And um, even like Zacian, um, all of them except for one had a Lapras paired with it. And that next one is actually uh, our fourth place finisher. So the other uh, person in top four here who Alex. Uh, actually, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold up? on. Uh, no, no, you didn't. They did. Um. I'm pretty certain. Uh, yeah, Steven, if you click the link, and I played this person, they had a Lapras. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah, everyone, uh, if you haven't uh, kind of, like, keyed in on this already, we're just looking on uh, Victory Road's website for the qualifier number one results. And, yeah, currently the graphic of uh, the team list shows Tapufini over Lapras, but never mind. Forget that whole point I just made. This is also just a Zashin Lapras team. Actually, it looks very similar yeah, to it your does seem to one. <laughs> Yeah, this is kind of crazy how, uh, like, consistently this is the uh, the route that people are going with uh, Zacian. Like, it's a, an amazing Pokemon in general. This is, uh, like you had mentioned, uh, like, you know, there's uh, only one Kyogre without Tornadus. Uh, I'm surprised we're not seeing any Zacian without uh, Lapras. I mean, it's a very flexible, um, restricted Pokemon. It, it can do so much. It can support so many different types of strategies. So I'm surprised to not see other uh, routes for it. Um, it's very funny, Stephen, that you mentioned that, uh, yeah, I had used, uh, Lapdog in the other tournament and, uh, kind of helped with, uh, I don't know, the pioneering of that archetype, whatever. Um, but the, the very first round of the tournament, I ended up playing against, like, I think my exact rental code <laughs> of the, uh, the Lapdog team. Um, like, it, it had all of the same moves and, uh, there was even one point where I was like, okay, if they're running my exact team, 
uh, their Among Us should outspeed my Ice Rider, and sure enough, it did. So I was just like, yeah, no, I think this is just the this is just the rental code, um, which meant I was sweating. I was so so nervous. I was like, I cannot just like build a new team and then lose to my old one. That would just feel terrible. Um, so. Uh, that was that was really funny. I played a lot of Lapdog in the tournament. Now that I'm thinking about it, a lot of Lapdog and a good amount of Groudon. Um, like I I I did play this person in uh, top four, this uh, Hiroyuki Mori, Morita. Um, and yeah, the it, it's like a, a very tricky matchup. I even I, I played Lapdog in the finals. Like it, it's no guaranteed win for this team, so uh, it's still a very solid archetype. Yeah, this is the archetype that I think is like the most playable into anything i don't think it has any really bad matchups the one bad matchup that it might have had in the earlier stages of the uh metagame was the solgaleo teams but those have kind of fallen out of favor and also they've kind of found ways to to attack for that a little better and it's it's just like it has the bulk like zation is not a frail pokemon it's got like suicune bulk and then you put it behind screens and it really doesn't die that easily you kind of have to commit your Dynamax into it to KO it, and if you do, then it you know still gets its Behemoth Blades off. So it's such a tricky Pokemon to face. Uh, I mean, it's been talked about to death, uh, especially like, I think Dave Katesh released a really long video, like an hour-long analysis of Lapdog teams and how to build them and how to how to uh, counter them, and that was really, really useful for me to learn about the archetype. But, uh, I mean, it's still going strong, and what the other really cool aspect about it, there's so many different variants of it. I mean, we see the team that won. We see the team that got top four. There's a few other in top cut, and they're all different. Uh, and we're just still exploring the the ways that you can build Lapperization and the different ways that you can, you know, destroy the metagame. Yeah, even... Um, so I think for David Kutesh, if you want to check out that video, that is uh, Hamster Mania um, on YouTube. Either look up his name or you look up uh, Hamster Mania, and that'll be there. So um, just to reiterate, you know, for Hiroyuki's team, that was in fourth place. That was just Zacian, Lapras, Incineroar, Regieleki, Amoongus, and Landris. So yes, very close to your team, uh, Regieleki, instead of the Zapdos. So um, I just want to point out how, like, there was, uh, you know, a team very similar to this in 10th place with, uh, again, another Umbreon um, instead of the Amoongus, which on Damiano La Barbera's team. So that's a neat adjustment um, on there. Um, just still using Umbreon. Like, it's, it's so cool that it's just seeing actually seeing some uh, play and doing well in some tournaments here. Uh, but anyway, Adi had kind of prefaced this uh, a little bit earlier, but we have a big wave of uh, Groudon teams coming up in the top eight. So here comes the sun. We've got a bunch of them here. Next up is uh, Eric Rioche from uh, Spain with a team of Groudon, Incineroar, Grimmsnarl, Rotom Wash, Venusaur, and Celesteela. So, um, Adi... What do you uh, see in this team? What do you like? What do you don't like? You know, what are just your general thoughts on this one? Yeah, so this team is uh, really interesting because the team sheet has weakness policy Venusaur. Uh, it's got some really unorthodox choices for Sun teams, uh, and I, I think it's I think it's really cool. Obviously, he did very very well with it, and the fact that it's open team sheet means that it's not a gimmick. You can't it's like the weakness policy was not unexpected for any of these competitors, but it seems like most people are responding to. The Venusaur variants of Sun teams with Max Airstream. Uh, there's a lot of Thunderous in the metagame. Uh, not actually as much as I expected in Top Cut, but like in general, when I was laddering, I saw a lot of Thunderous. And so if you just like try to Max Airstream into the Venusaur, you're probably not getting very far. Uh, there's like a Rotom, which also has like Will-O-Wisp um, and Nasty Plot. It's got, uh, that's, I think Rotom's another Pokemon that's pretty unique. We haven't seen a ton of, but it does do pretty well into Zation. It resists attacks and it can burn it. Uh, it does pretty well into stuff like Thunderous, and so and it does well into Kyogre. So it's a pretty cool pick. Um, and Celesteela is the other Pokemon that hasn't seen a ton of play in this metagame, and this one has the Power Herb and Meteor Beam to boost up its damage, as well as presumably having the ability to click Max Rockfall and weaken those Water-type attacks that uh, you really don't want to get hit by if you're playing against Kyogre with the Groudon team. So a lot of really interesting tech choices, a lot of different interesting takes on how to build Groudon, uh, and, you know... Like, like you just mentioned, there are a bunch of Groudon teams in top eight, and so it's going to be interesting to see uh, which of these aspects are incorporated more into the uh, whatever becomes the meta build or the best build to this team in the future, and which ones are uh, a little more specific to this variant of the team. Yeah, we see, like, uh, I think, so, okay, the, uh, the one other one, uh, the, there's three uh, Groudon Venusaur teams, and then there's um, Phil Nguyen's... Uh, team 
who uh, did not have Venusaur on it, instead had a Rillaboom as a uh, Grass-type option. But uh, both uh, Edu and uh, Eric Rios both opted without uh, putting Sleep Powder on their Venusaur. And uh, they had different responses to preventing those uh, flying moves. Eric going a bit more aggressive with the weakness policy, saying if you hit me, I'm going to hit you back really hard. Uh, whereas Edu had the Koba Berry Venusaur, um, basically just uh, trying to prevent um, too much damage. Uh, there's Weather Ball here. Like, the, there's there's all kinds of different ways to... Um, yeah, Weather Ball versus uh, Earth Power um, on the Venusaurs and... I do find it just very interesting that they opted uh, out of using Sleep Powder. It's one of, I think, the strongest options on the Pokemon. But um, obviously, Eric showed that uh, he was uh, able to do pretty consistently well with the team. Um, so, I mean, maybe maybe it's an option that uh, either in this format or uh, just on these teams specifically uh, is something that you just don't need. I think foregoing Sleep Powder is an okay choice, uh, mainly because that way you get the option to run Protect and still have those other three coverage moves. Um, but I also really just want to talk about the um, Grimmsnarl. And, you know, it's got Screens and Spirit Break, but I really like the scary face on this team so that, um, you know, you can just slow down all of the uh, opponent's Pokemon or even in your own in Trick Room. But um, it really helps for, like, Venusaur when Sun maybe isn't up or just Groudon or Celesteela in general. So, uh, I particularly love the scary face on this Grimstarl and this team. Anyway, that's, uh, the fifth place Groudon team. Let's move on to the next one, which is, uh, Andre Andrea Olea. Uh, they have a Groudon, Incineroar, Tapu Fini, Porygon 2, Venusaur, and Stack Attacker. Now, um, the Stack Attacker, uh, you know, obviously lets you run a Trick Room mode. This also has Wide Guard, which I like to kind of help block and deal with all the really strong uh, spread moves in the metagame right now. So um, you've also got Porygon 2 to work on Trick Room. So this is definitely more of a um, Sunroom team. Uh, very much relies more on that, having uh, both high and low ends of the speed tier. And uh, otherwise, just very strong team can deal lots of damage. And in this one, we see another Venusaur with the Cobo Berry here. I think Stack seems really cool. Um, it's a Pokemon that like I struggle to get everything I, I want on it, uh, as we were kind of mentioning with Raichu. Um, it, it, I want to put Protect on it. I want to put Trick Room. I also want to put all three of its Stab Attacks, Rock Slide, Gyro Wall, and Body Press, uh, because Body Press might as well be a Stab Attack when your defense is 200+. plus. Um, and I think it's a really cool Pokemon, and uh, they opted to put Wide Guard on the set instead of, say, uh, Body Press or Protect. And... I think that Wide Guard is really well positioned in the metagame right now. I just think that Stack Attacka. I mean, I, I mean, I can't argue with the success. It top got it got top eight. I feel like it's so hard to get in position when there's so much water, so much fighting, so much ground. Uh, all of these things just giving it such a hard time, and uh, and on top of that, Intimidate being everywhere. Uh, I just don't know how well stack got to shine on this team if it was doing well i mean i'm glad to hear it it's a pokemon that i love to uh i love to use in the past i just haven't uh gotten to make it work as well lately yeah i completely agree uh that's the that's been my problem with stack attacka it's just really difficult to position because there's so many things that threaten it and it i don't think it really does enough unless you dynamax it now, we don't have the full EV spreads of these Pokemon. We just have the uh, open team sheet version. But I believe the stack attacka was brave attack boosting nature um, with the intent of Dynamaxing it quite a bit so that with the life orb, of course, so that when it does get beast boost, it's getting the attack boost and it can steamroll a little bit. Um, and if so, that, that would make a lot of sense because stack attacka's offensive typings are really good into a lot of the Pokemon in the metagame. It's just that its defensive typing, despite its massive defense stat, gets okayed by so many things. And Dynamaxing and clicking Max Steel Spike and having Wide Guard uh, are both good ways to avoid immediately getting KO'd. Definitely agree. Uh, I wish some, you know, I wish a lot of Pokemon had a lot more move slots, and Stag Attack is definitely one of them. Um, Wide Guard is still a really strong move in the format. It's just really hard to fit on a bunch of the Pokemon that learn it, especially the the uh, better ones. Um, so our next team is uh, from Phil Nguyen from um, Australia, and they have a Really, really cool team. I love this one a lot. Um, we've got a Groudon, Incineroar, Tapu Fini, Thunderous, Rillaboom, and Sigilyph. 
Now, this Siglyph sets up uh, Tailwind and Gravity. So this is a Gravity team to help set up Groudon here. And, um, you know, this really kind of patches up Groudon's most, uh, you know, foremost problems that it has is the immunity to ground moves from uh, flying types or levitators and just Precipice Blades can miss. You know, it's got that chance to miss, so it's going to miss pretty often. And I love how that part of it uh, patches up a lot of things, problems for it. And Sigilyph also has Hypnosis. That works really well with Gravity. Um, otherwise, like, the rest of the team just helps support, you know, that kind of uh, strategy. I, uh, I got the opportunity to play Phil in Swiss, and it was a very uh, crazy matchup. Like, this team is just so funny. Um, the Sigilyph, I, I remember there was one turn where uh, in Trick Room I clicked Spore into it, and I was like, man, I have to hope that this hits because of Wonderskin, uh, which just makes it so that all status moves have a 50% chance to just miss. Um, and I remember seeing a clip on Twitter of uh, Phil dodging a taunt to stop the Sigilyph from going from like Hypnosis or something. Um, and it's just so funny, this ability Wonderskin. Um, it's not something that I think uh, we're used to dealing with in uh, VGC, because I don't think uh, there's a ver been very many F at all competitive Pokemon with the ability Wonderskin. Um, Gravity users have, are a little bit more limited in the format, um, especially if you want to use uh, Gravity and like Tailwind. Sigilyph is just really a nice uh, condensed role for that, so it, it, it is all kinds of funny. The team has... A lot of like weird anti-synergy though, and I, I gotta say, uh, Phil, I am not a fan of the team. Uh, like you've got Hypnosis Sigilyph with Tapu Fini on the team. The Tapu Fini can uh, like get its Misty terrain turned off by Rillaboom. Rillaboom can get its Grassy terrain turned off by Finny. And uh, meanwhile, like Groudon setting the sun, so you're doing no damage with your Muddy Waters. It, it it feels all over the place. But Phil obviously was able to pilot all the way to the top eight. So there's got to be some things that the team is doing well. Yeah, that's that's my take on it too. Is it there's a little bit of anti synergy and it feels like a little greedy. I don't think that Sigilyph wins you a lot of games that like Thunderous doesn't because if you're getting to click the Thunderous buttons, you're probably like. Like if you're getting to click the sigil of buttons, you're probably also getting to do whatever Thunderous wants to do. Uh, and so I don't know in which matchups he decided to bring Sigilyph over his other modes, but we do just see that Thunderous Groudon was such a strong combination that like the other five Pokemon are very common on some teams, uh, and, and we're all very good Pokemon. And Sigilyph really is this other like very powerful mode against teams that are unprepared for it. Uh, I just question whether or not that would actually that is actually the right slot, and something like Charizard wouldn't have been better uh, on the similar composition. Yeah, obviously this uh, team did work though, getting Phil all the way to top eight. Um, in terms of like another gravity option, uh, gravity user, you know, Dusclops is another like big one in the form, big one uh, as a Pokemon in general, and not the most popular in the format, but it can run that. And there's another option for like a Trick Room Groudon with uh, Gravity Presses Blades, that kind of thing. So there's things to explore there. But um, for our last member of the top eight, we have uh, Eduardo Cunha, um, otherwise goes by Iru. And uh, Eduardo has a Groudon, Incineroar, Tapu Fini, Thunderous, Venusaur, and Celesteela. So uh, a lot of similar team members we've been uh, hearing from all these Groudon teams. But um, the Celesteela has a Wakanberry with Flash Cannon, Air Slash, and Flamethrower. You know, pretty offensive. I like this, uh, you know, turnaround for this one. But um, otherwise, just like more more of a uh, strong Sun team. Um, and Edu's been running this for a good majority of the format so far. So he's getting very familiar with it. So I had uh, I got to play Edu in the top eight. And um, I had a little bit of a familiarity with the matchup because I had played the same team from somebody else in Swiss. And... Uh, the team, my team felt relatively, uh, decent against it. Um, I gotta say though, about that Celesteela, I just don't get what it's doing. I don't really like it. I'm not sure what's the, like, matchup it's solving. Wackenberry feels so weird. And whenever I was, like, see, whenever I saw this set, I was just, like, kind of relieved that it doesn't have leftovers. And it's, or not leftovers, uh, leftovers and, uh, it doesn't have leech seed. Um, like, Leech Seed just felt like it would have been a bit more well-positioned into a, uh, a team like mine, and, um, I don't know. I, it just, it seems weird to me that, uh, 
the the choice was like flamethrower or something. I don't know something about the Celestela. I just don't quite understand what it's doing. But I mean, it's it's definitely there to like solve some kind of role, some kind of matchup. Yeah, I think that. Like you said, the Celesteela is a little bit of an odd choice. Uh, we did see it on the others on team uh, that was run by Eric, so it seems to be uh, a slightly more common choice on these sort of compositions. But uh, the, this also seems like it's one that really wants to Dynamax with the three attacking moves and Protect rather than a uh, Leftovers Lead Seed set. And that's where uh, it confuses me a little bit because he already is a Venusaur, he already is a Thunderous. Groudon wants to max sometimes, although the, uh, the Wide Lens... Uh, seems to indicate that he really doesn't want to max it as much as possible. He really wants to rely on hitting those Presbus Blades. But uh, when I'm trying to build a team, I usually want two and a half po- Pokemon that want to Dynamax, and Eddie has three and a half on this team, um, which is just like, me- like if he knows his matchups really well and he knows exactly when he wants to bring in Celesteela, then it makes sense. But uh, it sounds like in that sort of like rogue matchup that he- where he wasn't really expecting a Calyrex Ice team, um, the Celeste dealer wasn't as good as another steel type might have been. Yeah, definitely all valid points about the uh, Celeste dealer on, you know, Edu's team here. So um, I guess the only person who could really explain this to us would be um, him in in, in in this case. So um, this will be a mystery for us to now, but I'm sure it's, uh, you know, working for him because it did get him in the top eight. And um, unfortunately, we need to move on to some uh, more th- topics to talk about here. But before we do that, um, we still have another, like, uh, we still have more teams and Pokemon uh, here. Uh, we're not going to be able to go over all of them in detail, but I just want to ask you, too, if there's any other team or a Pokemon that kind of stands out to you in the rest of this uh, top 22 here. The the last one that I think needs to get mentioning, besides the the fact that the, the tournament is littered with all kinds of Lapdog. There was a lot of Lapdog, um, different variants, um, some with Hydreigon, Umbreon, um, there's lots of different ways that you can kind of finish it out, but they all also end up being built very much the same. Uh, in top 16, uh, Juan Boraguero, Boraguero, I'm going to guess. I'm sorry for uh, butchering that pronunciation. Um, had a team with Giratina, Togekiss, Tapafini, Rotom Heat, Porygon 2, and Registeel. This was my top 16 opponent, and oh my god, they were like <laughs> making me sweat. Uh, this was the... Um, Hardest, uh, I would say, the hardest set that I had to play in the tournament. Uh, harder than um, some of my losses, I would say. Like, I don't know. It, it just felt so crazy uh, dealing with Giratina on top of, like, Registeel somehow. But, like, the Giratina was actually doing pretty well. I, I've honestly gone ahead and tried this team a little bit. And it does all right. Uh, I'm very surprised by the viability of Giratina. It's so funny to me. Yeah, and uh, this player, Juan, uh, is the person who is who uh, won a Galar Circuit tournament with like 300 players with a mono water team. I think it was in Series 5 or Series 6, uh, and that made the rounds and made a wolf video. Uh, wait, 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 this- wait. Was that the mono water team, or was it the like red herring mono water team because the Urshifu was actually dark? Yeah, the Urshifu was dark, <laughs> but it, on its surface, it looked like a mono water yeah. team. Yeah, I remember uh, this. I remember this. Okay, okay. And so this player is is known for using uh, pretty unusual picks and finding a lot of success with them. So uh, congrats to them. I also yeah. want to give a shout out to my boy Matt Tid for getting uh, into Top Cut with Duskmane, the only Duskmane in Top Cut. Uh, so glad he can find success with that Mon after using it for like all in Sun and Moon, Sun and Moon series. Yeah, and Matt Tid is a player that I uh, was... Um only slightly ignoring because I wanted to fit the narrative. Like I was the only American to do well, but if we expand that to North America, <laughs> Matt Tid was also in the cut here. Um, so that like, yeah, that, that was really cool to see um, Matt and I both uh, kind of representing the NA region here. Um, and just in this like European and uh, I guess Japan dominated, um, dominated uh, tournament. Uh, I think there was also China in here. Actually, I think there's like at least two Chinese players in the cut. Yeah, I do see these uh, flags um, represented. Um, I guess, uh, so Adi, you mentioned uh, Matt's team with the Dustmaid Necrozma there, um, kind of standing out to you. I just want to point out as a uh, kind of, uh, in general, there were some uh, Calyrex Shadow Riders in this top cut from, uh, I think, at least three players. Yeah, it looks like three players here. So this Pokemon is starting to, you know, get uh, more teams built around it that... Um, so that it starts starts seeing some more success, 
And, uh, you know, we're still moving in the direction to seeing more of this Pokemon. I think this still has a lot more potential and is still underperforming, in my opinion. Uh, I want it to stay there. <laughs> I do not like Shadow Rider. Stick with the Ice Rider. Ice, big, 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 big fan of Ice Rider. Yeah, I really wanted to make Shadow Rider work in the first, like, week of the format and really struggled with it. And, you know, Marco has put in a lot of work. He's caught a few tournaments and really won the ladder with it while he streams. And so uh, it seems like it's working, but then... It also has some pretty questionable matchups. Like he, he said he had a really bad matchup against Edu, and if you're losing to like the standard Sun team, um, that's always like a, a bad sign. Mm-hmm. I think it's definitely still got a uh, potential to still move forward with that kind of a build for the uh, Calyrex Shadow Rider. But anyway, from uh, the Victory Road Winter Series uh, Circuit number qualifier number one, that all sounds pretty darn good. So let's uh, move on to our uh, next topic here. And players, remember, you can still keep playing in all of these uh, tournaments coming up the next few weekends. Our next topic is a shocking one. I did not think we would need to be talking about this uh, one this early. And that is the fact that Series 9 was uh, officially announced earlier on Monday, on February 15th. Uh, remember the date. That is February 15th for Series 9 starting on May 1st. Now, um, the big shock for this one is that, first off, the timing. Second, that Series 9 is also going to be Series 7. It is going to be the exact same format. So, um, there's just so many questions and so much to say about this. Um, why don't we all just start about, like, uh, the timing. Like, it was really weird to get this so early. I agree. I agree. It was, like... And I, I've seen some people, like, upset with this, and it's so strange to me. Um, I, I'm, like, happy to know in advance uh, what we're going to be doing, because it, it's always felt like such a rush uh, when the between the, the time that the format's announced and uh, when we're actually playing it, uh, especially just thinking back to what it was like, Players' Cup 2, um, when we were, like, the, the DLC had just come out and we had to, like, figure out, like, what was going to be good for the tournament upcoming. Um but yeah, no, this is uh this is a very weird uh so weird, honestly. One of the weirdest things that they've done and they they continue to just like um I don't know, keep you on your toes because the, when you try to think that you understand uh what they're doing, you you just can't. You just can't understand where they're going to go next. Um I think that it, it, it's a bit... I, I'm not a fan of this, but mostly uh, because of this whole back-and-forth aspect. I think I would have been fine with six months of Series 7 uh, if it was all run in a row. With this gap in the middle, it just feels so weird. Like, we had kind of, like, put Series 7 behind us, and now we're reviving it. And that's just something that we haven't done all year. Well, we did do it very briefly when the uh, the Players Cup two qualifiers was Series five during oh, Series right, six for some right. reason. <laughs> I do want to say that, like, yeah, that that is actually totally true. Um, I I think that might have been like an error, but like, yes, yes. Um, that's just like a, I think it's like a, a common theory, and I share that one. Is that I think that might have been, but who knows for sure? I mean, maybe they just said, "Who cares about Series six? We're not actually going to make that canon." Anyway, um, yeah, Adi, what were your thoughts when this uh, was announced? <laughs> I was really, really surprised. Like, I I was completely blindsided. Um, I think that, at least, I don't know about everyone else, but I thought that there was absolutely no way, I thought it was, I thought it was 100% certain that Series 9 was going to be a full-on GS Cup where you have two restrictions. Uh, and that's just, like, what we've traditionally had for GS Cup formats. Uh, this one restricted format is very unusual. It's very different. And, like, even during Series 7, people were playing with two Restricteds as, like, testing for the eventual GS Cup format. And so this made sense in terms of the way that they've been, like, ramping up the power level slowly. And then, uh, you know, this is just... I Again, I just have no words. Like, it's so surprising. It came out of the blue. Uh, I, I also do share your sentiment where I think this would have been a lot more reasonable if they reversed the order of series eight and series nine. And we just had a longer series seven. I think series seven had room to grow. Uh, and then now we're learning this brand new format and it's going to be weird because this format is so different from series seven where I kind of have to like unlearn the tendencies and relearn series seven. Uh, and I think for people who might not be playing in players cup or, uh, you know, like, especially after players cup, there's a lot of like, where do we go from here? do I continue playing this or do I just go back to my old series seven teams? You know? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are very much going to be revisiting Series 7 one we, once we get to like mid to late April because we're not going to need to go back to those teams. And we have kind of have a foundation for what that format is like. Um, I do agree that it would have made more sense um, just like right now with the times we're in that it just run consistently from like November through wasn't no- yeah November through uh, April, right? So that we just have this one consistent format that stretches over six months. And uh, then, you know, Series uh, 9 which would have started in May, you know, with the with that restricted legendary form we're in now, would have made, like, more sense um, in that case, you know, with the formats, so that there's a natural progression, right? Um, I also, just this thought, thought came to my mind a few days ago, like, just thinking about this in the context of worlds. Now, like, this is all sounds kind of stupid because we don't have any of those, but um, just, like, imagining if uh, these, if the length of their series and these formats have n- not been impacted that the length had not been impacted by COVID or the pandemic or anything. Like, you got to imagine, okay, so what was the plan for Worlds here, right? 2020, obviously, was going to be, you know, Series 5 with the Isle of Armor plus Galar decks, right? Makes perfect sense there. And then uh, 2021 Worlds, had we had that, um, you know, are we going to jump straight into GS Cup again? I don't know if they wanted to do that, but when you think about, like, the progression of Worlds, you know, you go from that kind of regional decks to national decks, which makes sense that Series 9 goes back to Series 7, sort of, um, in that sense. But, you know, because we're in a pandemic, none of that matters because we don't have Worlds. So I'm still, this was a very bizarro move on their part. I It makes no sense to me, and, like, this is just so unprecedented, but, like, a lot of the, the decisions are, um, you know, they, they keep varying the... They're, they're experimenting with the lengths of the formats. We've been changing formats more than ever before. Um, but to go back, um, I really hope this does open up some doors uh, for me to just uh, just hope and pray that we get VGC 17 back and it's going to be legal for tournaments again. That's just that's what I'm hoping. We're, we're going to just like go. We're going to go all the way in reverse. And uh, eventually uh, everyone's going to they're going to have to reboot the uh, Nintendo DS online services <laughs> oh, no. so we can battle on like black and white and stuff. And I mean, I can't wait to show these boomers how you're supposed to play VGC 2012. They don't know what they were doing. So <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm at, dude. Oh, I will whoop your butts, kids. Well, <laughs> in the old formats. But um, the uh, another like important topic to bring up is that there was no end date listed. For this series nine, um, I believe this was deliberate because they're still debating on what to do with this, and um, you know it's important because we've uh, Worlds twenty twenty one has been officially canceled, and we don't know when live events are coming back. So, uh, uh, you know, presumably we'd be getting Players Cup four starting, uh, you know, that cycle in May. So, I would think you know the previous series have all lasted you know two or three months, three months more recently. It would make sense, I, I, in my opinion, I think it makes sense if Series 9 lasted from May all the way to, to the end of August, so that just, it's one Players' Cup cycle. What about you two? Wait, uh, oh yeah, that's actually something that I want to mention now, Steven, is uh, part of the reason that they might have made this weird flip-flop and just like back and forth is that they had Players' Cup 3 planned, and they didn't want to run it in the same format twice in a row. and. That's really weird to me, but, like, sure. Uh, it, it does mean that, like, we can have six months of Series 7, um, but we can keep these Players' Cups going and going and going and have a uh, different format to display uh, for, like, the viewers and such, I guess. I don't know. It, it, it's so weird. Ugh, it is really terribly weird. I do think that uh, one thing that I think they're trying to do, there's some speculation that like the strange and like kind of experimental series are because of, they, they're only doing it because there's no real life events. But I think that what they're trying to do, this is my pet theory, is they're trying to emulate card games. Specifically, I, I don't know much about the Pokemon TCG, but I do play Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, as, a, as a side hobby. And Yu-Gi-Oh! You know, you have a new ban list every few months and there's a lot of like speculation, a lot of hype. And they sort of created like a 24-hour news cycle or like a week-long news cycle where they release new information and everyone gets, you know, up in arms about the new ban list. Uh, and so that and the other thing is in Pokemon, over the last couple generations, we've seen this in both Gen 6 and Gen 7, there's always a lot of hype in the first year in 2014 and 2017. And then slowly the player base dwindles until you get like 35 player regionals again, both in 2016 <laughs> and 2019, we had those. 
Uh, and so this is a way to like keep making it fresh and try to like create that new cycle that, you know, content creators can keep making new content. People don't get bored of the formats and uh, you continue to get that really high attendance. So uh, I think they're trying to take a, a page from the trading card game cycle uh, that has been a lot more successful in terms of attendance in these real life events uh, and incorporate that into VGC to retain attendance. Yeah, Adi, I think that's an excellent point. Um, mainly because like the article here states, states like right at the top, the title, Standard... Battle, reg- battle regulations return to video game battles in May. Um, also, you know, the Pokemon trading card game, they do have two separate formats. They have their standard format and the expanded format. And I always see the TCG players talking about, you know, well, what format is this tournament being played in? Are we playing standard or expanding? You know, all that stuff. So um, it does seem like we're kind of going in that direction. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. That would be interesting if we had like our uh, just like a, a standard set of rules and regulations or whatever, and then we have the alternate one that just kind of rotates in and out. I mean, that would be wild. I mean, but I I do really like Adi's theory that uh, they're taking a bit more of a a page out of the um, card games uh, approach because that that does seem to keep the game fresh and keep people coming. Um, it, since we can't exactly sell Pokemon, or, I mean, I guess they're trying to with these DLCs. Um, selling them like uh like cards almost like pat like expansions, but yeah, this is uh th- this is a really interesting um I don't know I just I think this whole series nine going back to series seven has opened the door for so many weird possibilities something that we've never seen before uh from the the VGC circuit. Yeah, I, I speaking of expanded format, if they treat restricted formats like expanding format, it'd be pretty cool to see uh having like restricted regionals and and like normal battle spot doubles regionals uh at the like alternating that would be an interesting way to to spice it up too i don't know there's you're right it just opens the door up to a lot of different things they could do yeah and i feel like um as a community we're kind of waiting for that big announcement um next week seeing like what what are we getting what is the new game what kind of new announcement are we going to get for pokemon um during the pokemon big week of pokemon 25 so, um, whatever comes out of that, you know, kind of, it kind of hints at the direction they might be taking with, you know, are we getting the rest of the Pokedex in Sword and Shield? Are we getting different games? Um, I don't know. Did you, Alex, did you have a, anyone else have a closing thought on the Series 9 thing before we move into our uh, last topic for the next week? No, I think I'm ready to go ahead and talk about some, like, uh, some direct predictions. Yeah. Honestly, though, I don't know if I have any, uh, crazy ones, um, like, I, I I am still thinking that we're gonna get those uh, those diamond and pearl uh, remakes. There's just a lot of things pointing in uh, that direction, and um, I don't know. I haven't been keeping up with uh, like leaks and stuff. If that's like um, something that I think there's more information pointing towards it, but like that that's one of the main things that I'm expecting. And other than that, I don't know. I mean, there's going to be lots of stuff that's like not VGC, of course, in the direct next week. They might even talk more about Unite. I think more information on Unite has been coming out recently. Um, they'll probably announce like a TCG set. Who knows? Um, uh, yeah. The, the, I mean, otherwise, I don't have any crazy predictions. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I, I'm sure there's going to be other types of games. Um, I think there was some like information about the MOBA in the last announcement they had that I haven't really been paying attention to. But uh, I do think there's been like constant rumors and speculation about the Diamond Pearl remake. And I do think we're going to hear about that. Uh, this is around, I think, when they would announce a game that comes out uh, during the holiday season next year. And, you know, if they do ever bring back a GS Cup format, we're going to get to see the uh, the GMAX Palkia oh, and boy. GMAX Dialga <laughs> and get to see what they do with those. So I'm excited for that. Just uh, asking for clarification, Adi, you said holiday th- next year or this year? Uh yeah, but I, th- I assume that it would be for like this upcoming November when they would normally release a new. Okay, okay. Game. Somehow, somehow your phrasing made me think you meant next year. Anyway, gotcha. um, so yeah, then uh, I, I guess one more thing that I want to throw into the mix is uh, some and something that I would always love to see is um, Mystery Dungeon Sky. If they uh get, do like Mystery Gun Dungeon, uh, Explorers of Sky DX or just Explorers DX. Um, I'd be very into that. I had a very good time with uh, the other one, Rescue, right? Whatever it was called, Rescue DX. Okay, I could see that. 
Um, you know, I still want to see, I still want to see like some kind of, uh, ports for the older Pokemon games just coming onto the Switch. That'd be kind of, uh, fun to just revisit some of those. Maybe, um, I do, I would want to play like Emerald again on the Switch. That'd be so much fun for me. Um, like in terms of like, you know how the remakes typically have some sort of adjective or word before them? You know, we've had like Fire Red, Leaf Green, Heart Gold, Soul Silver, Omega Ruby, Alpha Sapphire. If we do end up getting like diamond pearl remakes um i want to credit Alyssa smith for this one because um if they called it like temporal diamond you know having relating to time like dialga and uh for the pearl mm-hmm. one i just wanted to be like spatial pearl you know for space for palkia um i think those would be pretty cool names um otherwise like i don't know what they could announce i want to see I-, I i just don't know like it's going to be surprise next week and uh i just hope people don't get too disappointed if it's not Diamond Pearl remakes, like don't keep your hopes too high. I gotta say, uh, Stephen, I I mean, a lot of people have been joking forever about what the uh, what the names would be for these uh, remakes of Diamond and Pearl, and I think I finally saw the ones that I like the most uh, today, or like or maybe it was okay. yesterday, and that's just uh, Adamant Diamond and Lustrous Pearl. Uh, just naming them after the uh, signature items, and I think that that seems like pretty decent. Okay. Oh, Adi, do you have any uh, opinions on what the, like, title word would be? Uh, I am not as creative as the people who have come up with those. I honestly, like, Adam, Adam and Diamond uh, and Lustrous Pearl, or vice versa, I forget which Adam is which. That makes, uh, that makes a lot of sense, but I don't think they're going to go with that. I think that's a little too, like, on the nose. Um, but mm. I, I have no idea. It's going to be some interesting adjective, I'm sure. Some, like, a little more, uh, I, don't, I don't think it's necessarily going to be, like, a Pokemon word. Right, I don't think they necessarily done that before. Um, mm-hmm. Right, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm trying to think off the top of my head of all the names of the remakes, and I don't really see much of a trend other than the alliteration. Yeah, there's so many different like um, word pairings you could use. Like even a simple one like hard and soft. You know, hard diamond, soft pearl. You know, that would kind of work, but um, I don't know if that would necessarily be uh, you know fit that fit the titles for the games. Mm-hmm. Shiny diamond, shiny pearl. That doesn't work at all. That's bad. <laughs> no, it, it's terrible. I just wanted to throw out a bad one. Um, anyway, like, uh, there's a lot to look forward to for the uh, next week. Um, I think I think we're all in agreement, like, we're going to get some sort of a Pokemon Direct, or at least uh, a video or Pokemon News for a new video game and a whole bunch of other stuff. So that is going to be very exciting for Pokemon's 25th anniversary uh, next week, all leading up to Pokemon Day on February 27th, uh, 2021. I'm very excited. So, um, I guess one last comment is that Post Malone is also a uh, diamond certified artist. So I don't know if that me- I don't know <laughs> if that means anything. I tried to look it up uh, online. I still don't know, understand what that means. But um, who knows? Who knows? They've been uh, pointing to a lot of different things here. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm really thinking it's gonna all line up, man. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm really excited about it too because I started playing competitive back uh, back in Gen 4, so going to be a blast of the past for sure. Oh boy, how fun. Um, well, I think uh, that's going to do it for a show. You know, we're uh, gearing up for a big Pokemon week next week, so let's uh, go, hot, go ahead and get on out of here. And I just want to say uh, thanks. Thank you to Adi for coming on the show. We appreciate your time. Thanks for being here. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's always a pleasure, and uh, I, I had a really fun time doing this. Excellent. Well, uh, everyone, remember to go check out uh, Adi's YouTube channel, and you can also uh, you know do a bunch of things for our show here as well, and that is that you can send your comments, questions, and feedback to our email, vgcharpervoice at gmail.com. You can tell your friends about this show if they're interested, interested in a show about competitive Pokemon. You can find our show on a variety of different uh, podcasting platforms like Apple Podcasts or iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Those are some of the more highlight ones there. Leave us a review to help with visibility so that others can discover this show. Say, for example, on uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts there. That would be uh, great. And you can also find our show on Facebook and on Twitter at The Hyper Voice. Lastly, you can follow the three of us personally on Twitter as well. You can follow me at Super Morioka. Alex, where can people follow you? You can follow me at LexiconVGC. And Adi, where can people follow you? You can follow me at Twitter.com slash Adi Supra. That is A-D-I-S-U-B-R-A. 
Awesome. That all sounds pretty barn good. And thank you, the listener, so much for listening. And stay tuned for more of the Hyperforce. Alola. Alola.